See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Honey, is that an ingredient or is that something you're just calling right now? Ingredient. Shoot, I was kind of hoping it was the other one. How worried are you about the threat of relegation? Well, Lloyd, right now I'm mostly concerned with the definition of relegation. Congrats. You both just met a cool person. <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Come on, Richmond! Yo. Welcome, everyone, to the inaugural episode of Talking Lasso, where I am your host, Josh Scar from Talking Smack, as uh, you are well aware, because this is a Talking Smack feed. But it's not one of my regular Smackheads with me. It is the beautiful, wonderful, very British Joey Fitzgerald. Joey, how are we doing? I'm really good. Um, I really appreciated starting with Yo. I don't know if that was a reference to the episode <laughs> that we watched. It was definitely it was a like... reference. I like it. I think you should continue doing it. I don't. I didn't want to do welcome back to another episode because it's not another episode. <laughs> it's a brand new episode. But yes, the yo will be uh, the intro to all these now. It's canon. <laughs> I also um, don't know if I, I was going to say take umbrage, but that would really put a spin on what I was saying. I don't know if I take umbrage with the <laughs> very British Joey Fitzgerald. Um, I don't know if I'm very British, but then I do use words like umbrage. So um, <laughs> make of that what you will. How are you doing, Josh? I believe you referred to your brother once as Everfescent. Uh, Everfescent is what I actually said <laughs> um, by accident, but I did mean effervescent. Um, effervescent. I called him Everfescent. <laughs> there's an episode that we recorded, I can't remember if it's out yet, where I describe him as rambunctious, which I really enjoy as well. <laughs> no idea what it actually means, but I go for these things because it throws Slade off. <laughs> i should explain sorry who who slade and tim are um you can find me at my other podcast at game club pod um if if you are so inclined where i'm joined by timothy my brother and slade i don't know what slade is just an enigma you'll have heard him on here before um but uh yeah you can find us there it's like a book club for for games but um Josh and I have been very excited for Ted Lasso Series 3. Very excited indeed. We did an episode on here, you might have heard it. Um, and this all came about because I messaged Josh yesterday, which was the 15th <laughs> of March, and saying, happy Lasso Day, I'm very excited. And Josh said, you want to do a podcast about it? I was like, <laughs> fucking right I do. So uh, here we are, the day later. I've watched the episode twice. Um, I've got notes which is normally a bad thing for us, but uh, it's okay this time. It's a good thing, trust me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this came together really quickly, and uh, I, I could not be happier because I've wanted to talk about Ted Lasso, but uh, finding someone to regularly get to talk about it on the podcast is a little bit of a chore. Uh, not that like <laughs> Matt doesn't watch it, but creating times to do this. And I this is a kind of show where I think you want to go week to week. It's not one where you're mm. going to come back to it at the end, especially with it being the last season, supposedly, uh, where it's yeah. going to just all culminate and you got to come back and talk about the entire series. I think doing it week to week for this final season, allegedly, will will <laughs> suit the show better, as well as us getting to hang out and talk Ted Lasso and other things. Yeah, sounds sounds great. I mean, I've already promised Josh that there won't be any football finance chat in this unless there is a specific question. Um, <laughs> so apologies for that in the last Ted Lasso episode. <laughs> I listened back to it and I thought, 
Oh God, even I wouldn't listen to him and I was saying it. So uh, <laughs> I promise, <laughs> I promise it won't happen again. So uh, let's preface that there will be some football talk, some sports talk, because as someone who does not follow football of the European fashion, uh, I don't know anything about how the structure of the leagues work. So there will be cool. points where I'll ask these questions and Joey being a massive football fan or football mad, as they say, over across the pond, uh, <laughs> he will give us insights and give me insights and therefore you as well. Does it does it pain you to say football? Is it is it weird to say football? A little weird, but it doesn't pain me. Like I'm not okay. I'm not like American football is the only football. <laughs> it, I I don't care. They could call it whatever they want. I'm fine with uh, hand egg ball if they want to. So let's talk about Ted Lasso. Um, I can't remember the exact point that we left off season two. I really should have watched that episode before we started recording. Um, but Richmond just got promoted to the Premier League, and they were celebrating, which is. Good. Well done, Richmond. Um, in our intro, you would have heard Ted say the thing he's struggling with is the definition of relegation. Josh, really quickly, do you understand that the idea of relegation and promotion within football leagues? So, yeah, I, I believe I do, thanks to Ted Lasso. Um, so, basically, the, the bottom two teams in the league get demoted into the league below them. Yes, so, that's right. Um, and there are five tiers of league. Well, there's more than that, but professional tiers. And sorry, it's it's three teams in the Premier League. Um, it three differs teams. league to league. Um, but if you finish in the bottom three tiers, uh, teams, sorry, in the Premier League table at the end of the season, you're demoted to the division below. Um, so therefore, the championship, the top three teams would come up. Well, it gets a bit more complicated than that. I'm not going to go fully, fully into it. <laughs> the top two teams go up, up automatically and then places three to six. Three. I had to count that out. Yeah, places three, four, five, and six go into a playoff situation. Okay. Um, so you, you could finish sixth and still get promoted. Okay. That's, that's kind of cool. I like that. And I, I think more American leagues would benefit from that instead of dealing with tanking all the dang time. Uh, tanking in sports is just American sports is such a problem. I think, but th there are benefits to it because you have like I, the only thing, and, and I'll admit now that I am a very plastic American football fan in the fact that I care about it for about a week around the Super Bowl, and that's it. But um, you have lots of different teams winning it, whereas in England, you have the same. They, they, there's six teams that finish in the top six nearly every year, so much so that pundits call them the big six um and it, it it irks quite a lot of fans but it the reality of it is those six teams are the ones that are competing for top spot and i think by as you say tanking the league by not having relegation you open it up to a much more varied um ending at the top of the league whereas in england the league the real exciting bit in my opinion is the very bottom because you wait for the last day to see who the third or maybe the second team that are going to get relegated are. That's where the enjoyment is. Enjoyment in others' misery is a very British thing. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. So um, trying to think about the end of season two with Ted Lasso, uh, we had the um, indecision of what's going on with um, Roy and Phoebe, uh, not Phoebe, Keeley. Keeley, yeah. Um, yep. And then we found out that Rupert bought West Ham and has also stolen Nate from the team. 
Yes, that was and, the big reveal at the end. And so, so Nate has kind of gone full Darth Vader, um, mm. which we'll get into that a little bit here. Uh, and then uh, Ted has kind of come to grips with his anxiety and his panic attacks. Um, obviously, it's not a, a curable thing, but he has accepted them as part of who he is. Yeah. So uh, this episode picks up with uh, a six week off season just recently coming to an end. I believe it's six weeks. Uh, it's somewhere around that, but yeah. Yeah, so Ted's dropping off Henry, his son, at the airport. Uh, they just spent six weeks together. Now he's got to go back to the States. And Ted's dealing with the the realization that maybe going to London to or England to to coach in the uh, the premiership and coach European football has not mm-hmm. necessarily proved to be the, the cure-all that he was hoping it would be after giving his now ex-wife space. Yeah, I always think I've put in my notes here that it starts at Heathrow Airport, and whenever anything starts at Heathrow Airport, it makes me think of Love Actually. Um, this one did mm. not start like Love Actually, but it was—I <laughs> don't know. There was there was uh, uh, you shared a thread with me before this around like callbacks to series one and two, um, yes. and there was something about the the look on his face when he's on the plane versus when he's sending Henry on the plane. Um, I'd never thought about it like that, but he looks he looks awful <laughs> in that first shot. You can tell that he's really, really sad about Henry going. So Yeah, he's um, he's I clearly think, depressed. Yeah. Although I did think there was a line in this where the uh they were calling him over the, the intercom and saying, Henry Lasso, Henry Lasso. And then he says, Oh, I'm sorry, we were trying to unlock Princess Peach on Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> and then the flight attendant says, Don't worry, I once held a whole flight hostage while I tried to finish the final bre- level of Breath final of the Wild. Level. Which I just. <laughs> yep, that was written by people who do not play modern video games, but <laughs> nor know fly, the I, am, I imagine. Nor fly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a really strange line. But, but you get the shot of the air hostess helping Henry to the plane and waving Ted away. Um, there are points, and I, I might mention this a little bit throughout the episode, I thought some of the acting was very um, wooden in parts of this episode. And I don't think it was terrible, but I don't think Henry's a particularly believable child actor. Um, no. I, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what you think of that. I, I found him, because he appears here and he appears at the end as well. And I just thought, no, probably none of the lines that he delivered were believable. That's the risk you run with having child actors is sometimes they're not great. Like Phoebe's fantastic. I thought Phoebe in everything, she's just been awesome. Whereas Henry, not not so much. But uh, I I think that he he serves his purpose well enough. But yeah, he's he is not a great child actor, if anything. Uh, But I'm not going to go full scorched earth no, no, on the kid he, he he's a kid just making some money for his family at this point probably quite a lot of it as well <laughs> one one thing i will say with uh henry and phoebe is you can tell they waited to wait for uh covid restrictions to lift to get these kids back on set because they look so much older <laughs> yeah especially phoebe who we see quite a lot of in the previous season yeah, she she looks very preteenish now, even though she was in first grade last time yeah. we saw her. Yeah, and and we'll get to her, but the scene where she's in it and she's eating ice cream—they're definitely trying to like lower her age a little bit with her action, but it doesn't. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, she's very preteen now. 
in the space of six weeks, which is just incredible. <laughs> yes. But then so so we leave we leave Henry and um sorry, we leave Henry at the gate and uh and Ted has a call with the doctor. The I can't remember her name. He only ever calls her Doc in this and I think in previous ones. But um I can't remember. Yeah. Uh I, I think her name is Sharon, but I can't remember her first name or her last name. Well, let's just call her the Doc. Uh I yep. think I, I was really pleased to see her back, actually. I think she's really good. Um, and I think she brings a lot of really good stuff out in Ted. I really like that the conversation wasn't a therapy conversation, like it first came off, because mm-hmm. they said, we've got a bit of time where I can talk. And Ted says, well, can I ask you the personal question? So they do this all the time. And he says, are you seeing anyone? And she says, I'm not answering that. And he replies... Uh, well, normally you say no, so that means yes, and and that kind of <laughs> friendly conversation just implies she seems quite cold normally, and I think that's just part of her character. But I feel like there's a, a bit of warmth between her and Ted, which I really yes, really liked. They've they've grown to understand each other really well too, which I, I feel like that, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, it, it really plays off really well that Ted is so observant with people, especially her, mm. that. He's like, oh, okay. So usually you say no, but now you're saying no comment. So <laughs> clearly you're seeing someone, which I will yeah. say, I I thought they were going to go with um, Doc being uh, either bi or gay. Uh, mm. I don't know. She just comes off that way, but she's she's got a man in her bed. So, I mean, maybe the bi thing is still in the play, but uh, the way she comes off, I would have pegged them to go with a representative uh, kind of play with the, the character. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I ever thought about it like that, but I understand what you mean. Um, I, that yeah, she definitely has a man in her bed because when she's off the phone, he says, "Oh, I, you've gotten off," and then she goes, Ooh, "Not yet." <laughs> and it was like, "Woo!" And you could have had do 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 do, but then it cuts away, and Ted's walking to uh to the training ground. Which um, there was a line in this that I don't know how much it meant to you, but I thought was really funny. Um he walks past a child being pushed in a pram and he goes, I've written it down. He goes, Oh, you look like the leaky diapers, which is obviously like the Peaky Blinders. Um, uh, it's very, very good line. I don't know if you've seen Peaky Blinders. Um, I've not, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it, but I good, good little reference. But they, so they, they all wear flat caps and uh, it's based uh, just after the first world war. Um, so because this child is wearing a flat cap, he calls him the leaky diapers, which was very good. Um, really enjoyed that. Uh, and then we cut to the conversation between Leslie and Rebecca. Now, this is the conversation I thought was super wooden. This is the one I took the most problem with, where they're talking about all of the pundits are thinking we're going to finish last, dead last, and Rupert's going to do really well and finish fourth. Um, in the top four, sorry. So the top four is important because that's what gets you into like the European places, the creme de la creme of the Champions League. Um, and you play the top teams in the rest of Europe, and that's where real money... I know I didn't, wasn't going to talk finance, but that's where the real money is. <laughs> um, but it is a real thing here at the start of the season where teams get absolutely panned for where they, they're predicted to finish before a ball is even kicked. Um, mm-hmm. So this kind of sets up the premise of the whole episode of everyone thinks we're going to be terrible, how do we stop the team thinking that they're going to be terrible? Because there doesn't seem like a lot of belief from Leslie or Rebecca in this scene. Um, and they actually yeah, it, use this as, as the preview 
for the episode. They released this scene before they released the episode, and I was really surprised because I didn't think it was particularly well done. Yeah, I, I caught the preview, but what stuck out to me was the whole he-them conversation where Ted's focused yeah. on West Ham as a team and an organization, where Rebecca's back to kind of season one Rebecca, which they hammer home pretty hard that she's solely focused on making Rupert's life miserable by being better than he expects her to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm going to come on to the West Ham things. There's a couple of things that I think is really bizarre. One that, that West Ham would agree to be this kind of villainous uh, entity because they're a real football club. They're okay. Real, I was going to ask very, about that. Yeah. They're a very big football club. Um, they're struggling at the moment, but they they are a very big football club who play in Europe over the last few seasons semi regularly. But whenever they're represented in film or TV, they're always like bad guys, and I don't know why they agreed to it because they filmed in West Ham Stadium in this episode. So hmm. um, yeah, it's it's a strange one. Um, but uh, we go from from this conversation where they're saying, oh, we're going to finish last, and it cuts to the team going, oh, well, even so-and-so said we're going to finish last, and uh, they're, they kind of, they're losing all, all faith. And this is where my favourite line in the whole episode comes from, and it's when they're talking tactics with Roy, who, Brett Goldstein, once again, fantastic in everything he's in, um, plays this Roy Kent to perfection. He They're, they're talking, and... Ted makes a reference to playing FIFA with Henry all summer, and that's where he learned who Maradona was. And he also learned that co- he also had to teach Henry that cocaine is bad. Now Maradona <laughs> was a Maradona was a, a footballer in I want to say the eighties. Um, it was either the seventies or the eighties, and he was re- widely regarded as the best in the world. As soon as he well before he finished playing football, he very publicly had a. a raging addiction to cocaine and had no um intention to stop or do better or better himself to the point where there are videos of him at the world cup covered in cocaine in the stadium (laughs) cheering on argentina Um, oh my god (laughs) yeah he's a if ever you get a chance i might do because we're going to do a section later on where i tell you some mad football stories if we've got a slightly longer section i might do a whole one on maradona and his cocaine abuse because there are some wild stories that include bringing grenades to the training ground and things like that it's uh he was a an excellent footballer, but a very problematic character. <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 yeah. Uh, putting it nicely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what did you think of the 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 void left by Nate within the tactics room? I like that they they showcased it really well because it shows that they have no malice towards Nate. Like they they do not fully understand why Nate has left, mm-hmm. and even Roy is like, I'm not the tactician that. Nate was. I don't have that scheming ability. I was literally just a player who you told me where to go and I knew what to do. And I'm really curious to see how this 4-4-2 plan works out because it feels like it's going to be either something that just works because it is so simple or they're going to have to come find a way to get Ted more involved in the scheming to make sure that they they aren't getting just destroyed because I I do feel like it could be a another come from behind kind of thing where they start off really poorly. And then Ted just kind of starts picking up his end of the bargain 
instead mm-hmm. of just being the the guy that's the lightning rod for the media and uh, kind of a morale booster. He's actually going to start understanding football more and he's going to do stuff that Nate would never dream of because as we establish in this episode, Nate, it, well, creative on the pitch is not that creative of a person. He's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I think is is the nice way of putting it, but yeah, I think the full uh, we'll get into that because well, it's kind of like the Joel question of is he a good person or a bad person from The Last of Us? Like, is, is Nate really an asshole, or we'll we'll get into it. Did Did you think when you when I hit record today that you'd be comparing Ted Lasso and The Last of Us, or uh, or is this your way of getting in on the <laughs> Last of Us chat on the episode that you've missed on talking? Smack? Um, a little bit of both. I, I fully expected to talk about the last of us. Not really. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, I, it, that literally just came to me. So I, I, I'm happy to talk a little bit about the last of us in a later episode, but, um, with this one, it just, I, I it, it felt like a good comparison. Cause you and I privately had talked about is Joel a good person or a bad person. And I think there we, I'll, I'll get into it now, just jumping ahead a little bit. Um, so when we, we first see Nate, yeah, he's he's that asshole that we feel like we saw at the end of season two. Like he's got the shit eating grin on his face. Rupert's like touching him, manipulating him. But when we see him behind closed doors, we still see a little bit of that insecure Nate. And I think that's really interesting because I expected him to just go full blown villain guy like Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader. Like he's just like, OK, I'm the bad guy now. I need to prove myself. I have a chip on my shoulder and I'm going to do anything to prove that I am worthy of this. But we we see a little bit of that stumbling where he's like uh, uh, a little sheepish and not quite self-assured. But then he he does have those moments where he does like the Rebecca thing where he makes himself big. But in, in his case, he spits on himself or whatever. And uh, we, we see little bits of him, him pushing the good Nathan down kind of, again, Anakin to Darth Vader. Mm. I guess he, and, uh, he's, he spends the whole time projecting what he wants to the world to see him like. Right. And I think he spent so much time in the first series being the the like the bottom of the pile that he does Here's not the want to fall bag, back yeah. down to that. He does not want to go back down to that position. I think what's really interesting is it seems like before you, we, we never see before Ted gets to Richmond It's season one opens with him being hired essentially, but it's very clear that the attitude towards people who aren't in the first team squad or the coaching staff changes massively with Ted. He brings respect to every level of that team and makes them feel part of the team. And I wonder if um, they're really going to amp up this Nate being uh, an asshole, for, for lack of a better term, because he thinks that everywhere is like pre-Ted Richmond, which could well be the case in, in football stadiums. But... I wonder if that's how he sees himself as having to assert his dominance. I do think that um, it's going to go one of two ways where he goes, oh, I'm so sorry for being horrible and ends up back at Richmond or he's just going to disappear at the end of it or towards the end of it because it's not going to go well. I don't think it's... it's it, 
the way it's written so far, it doesn't look like it's going to go well for Nate. <laughs> I think it's it's going to be a little bit Mighty Ducks where they're going to do really well because he has all these great schemes, but because he doesn't have the team's heart like Ted does, yeah, th- they're going to fall at the end. Like something's going to happen where they end up in like fifth place. Like I don't think they're going to make them just fall out of the league. I think they're going to make them just like just miss something important, even if it's like maybe just winning the cup. Um, yeah, maybe. But I, maybe. I, 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 I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I think it's either going to go one of two ways where Nate's embarrassed to the point where he has no job, but Ted's going to bring him to America with him or something, or he's right. going to send him to America to coach in the MLS. Or he, if if things end amicably, he's going to turn on Rupert kind of similar to Rebecca. He's going to wise up to Rupert's manipulations and all that. And Mm. I think Ted's going to retire and go back to the United States. And Nate is going to take over uh, Richmond. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's very possible. I think that the fact that they, they took so much time in Nate's and we are jumping ahead a little bit to Nate's press conference where he's introduced as manager and they spent the first half of that scene really showing him as terrified. And because they could have easily have just done asshole Nate from minute one and have him do the spitting on his own face thing before he went into that press conference. Because mm-hmm. thinking about it, if you were going to go and face the press and you wanted to portray yourself as that, you would have done that before you were even announced, right? You would have walked out there having already done your ritual. I think that was one part that really threw me off for the episode was because he would have had an introductory press conference. This wouldn't be his first press conference, I wouldn't think. Uh, I don't know. It, mm, Usually when you hire a new manager, wouldn't you? Well, not if it's in the middle of the mid-season break. No. Uh, sorry, not the mid-season break, the end of season break. They wouldn't. Um, oh. They would use the first conference of the season to introduce the manager as well. That's very much unlike American sports where they will introduce the new manager <laughs> like the day after they are hired. Yeah. Well, but okay. So, so let's, we've, we've jumped ahead a little bit, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, Keely's office is the next bit after we kind of meet Nate. Sorry. The only thing I should say about Nate, that's an important plot point in this is Nate shows up in his uh, very old mini Cooper, his classic mini Cooper, <laughs> And uh, there's a scene where we're in Rupert's office, which, or oh, maybe that's in the next one. No, that's in the next time we're at West Ham. Let's go to, to Keeley's yeah. office, where we see Keeley has this PR business that's doing really well. And it has one of my favorite lines in the show. Fuck you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yes, that was perfect episode just from that line <laughs> well they have another one in an earlier one in that thread that you showed me where she says fuck you piers morgan which is yes. equally as satisfying um really but i think this this whole thing was to show vulnerability of keely because keely's kind of gone through this real character arc from season one where she's gone from just being the girlfriend of jamie tart to being in charge and really taken under Rebecca's wing essentially and being like this woman who is starting an empire and then the second that the the, the doors are closed all those privacy shades that, that she has on a button on the window which were really cool by the way yes um, those windows are so cool uh when she when when people can't see her the first thing she does is burst into tears um and kind of lets herself be vulnerable with Rebecca which I thought was really really nice and sweet um and and very much a continuation of last series it's exactly what i would expect from 
Kaylee's character. Yeah, and I, I do think it shows, even though we don't have the answer to it yet, we kind of see that she doesn't necessarily have Roy, even though we don't have a full answer as to what happened with them yet. Um, we see that she doesn't have Roy to quite lean on the way she was used to. And so the pressure of not having Roy as her rock, as just like that, that steady presence in her life and just having these irregular meetings with Rebecca, just they don't allow her to decompress the way she's used to, especially on top of all the new responsibilities she has. And that CFO she has is just so lovely. <laughs> yeah, that CFO is a robot. <laughs> she comes in and she's <laughs> like, what are we doing spending £200 a month on flowers? And Keely says, well, they look and smell nice. And then the CFO is like, yeah, we stop that right now. They don't have any purpose unless, what does she say? You're dead or something You're else. You're dead or divorced remember. or something like that? Something like that. And then she leaves Yeah, they're the for funerals and, and divorces or some something to that effect. And uh, yeah. I feel like we do you think she canceled those flower orders or do you think Keely is enough of a boss to be like, no, we're still getting these flowers? No, I feel like because she said that her investors put the CFO in place, but she's still in charge. I think the CFO would have canceled those flowers. I feel like 200 pounds a month is not that much for decor. I don't know. I, I used to work for a company that when uh, customers got upset, we would give them 50 100 bucks which to me i'm like they don't deserve that and the company's like that's pennies to us don't worry about it right but i think because because this wasn't in place this pr company wasn't in place when we left off season two this is brand new and has grown massively she's obviously had some investment and i think it's one of those where you have to justify every penny spent and that's exactly what the cfo is doing i think what we'll see throughout the season we might see more of the CFO or mentions of the CFO stopping the enjoyment and stifling who Keeley really is. I can see that. That that could be yeah. a good conflict for Keeley. Well, especially with, I think that that gives her exactly what you just said. She needs someone to rely on. And, and is, as she's now so separate from the club of Richmond, I think it gives her a, a way of being more involved with the show. And needing to rely on Rebecca um, for yeah. for that stifling, like reassurance and support, which then leads to more meet cutes with Roy and the the inevitable return of their relationship. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. The, I was I was kind of surprised to find that out. Which again, I'm jumping ahead. Which uh, Keely says at the end of the scene that she ha she and Roy have to have the talk with Phoebe. Which I going back to season two, I was really hoping that they weren't going to be playing the like. Ross and Rachel card of yeah. are they going to get back together or whatever, where they just were like, Keely was so set on like, no, we'll, we'll be fine. We're going to, you're going to go on this vacation. I'm going to start this company. We'll come back together once you're back and everything will be fine. And that apparently just didn't work for Roy. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, uh, you're right though. It's, it's inevitable that, that they'll end up back together. I hope. I, I genuinely hope it's one of those. Sometimes you really don't care about an on-screen couple, but I think Keely and Roy are a very good one. They're they're a very good balance of bubbly and serious, <laughs> bubbly and Roy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, so we cut from Keely's office to the training pitch, and my note on the training pitch is: this is the closest we get to football in this episode. There's no football mm -hmm. in this episode, which which I think for the first episode of the season was quite surprising to me really um 
we don't even get a lot of the training pitch, to be honest. We get them whinging more about being picked last. They say something about Paddington Bear saying that they're going <laughs> to finish last. I, Roy, go on, sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, I, I love that moment because I love the the idea that Danny Rojas is so innocent that he thinks Paddington Bear <laughs> is real and has his own Twitter account. Yeah, well, there's a line that Jamie Tart says, and he says, on a scale of one to five marmalade sandwiches, we have no marmalade sandwiches, which I just <laughs> thought was was really funny, really like, yes. so out of out of touch of what an actual footballer would say, but I think it just shows a softening of Jamie over the, the seasons that yes. we've gotten to know. Uh, there, there's a line that Jamie has later that's taken the internet by storm that I want it, to, it's a weird line to dissect, but I want to talk about it. Okay, cool. Um, so we move from there and um, we have kind of a, a cut together of two scenes and one is Nate's press conference which we've already spoken a little bit about and then another is um, Ted and Coach Beard taking the team on on like a field trip to a sewer and that was I, I loved that switching back and forth that was so cool yeah it was good I did think that the sewer when I first watched it the first time I thought they maybe didn't need to do the sewer but then actually when you think about it and watch it knowing what's going to happen the sewer makes sense for the story I don't know if it makes sense if if you thought about this as like a real thing but I think you have to mm. to the suspension of disbelief thank you yeah you have to suspend your belief <laughs> um and and think like there's a line where where there's photos of them climbing into the sewer and in the press conference, they say, have you seen, uh, sorry, Nate's press conference, they say, have you seen what your ex-team are doing? And they show him the picture of them climbing in the sewer. And he says, well, that's because Ted Lasso's a shitty coach, um, which they act like is the funniest quip you've ever heard. Um, <laughs> but it's really not. And and Matt made a really, really good point in a, in your Discord, Josh, of the people in the Ted Lasso universe are exceptionally bad at memes. <laughs> it's true. Nate's Nate's phone, he's just scrolling through Twitter and they're just the most unfunny memes that you've ever heard. They're like, <laughs> I am the true Wonderkind, as if you're going to look at that and go, what a jape. I am very impressed with that one. <laughs> he got but, me there. Um, yeah, but the whole idea in the sewer is that before the sewer the shit just used to run the streets with the sewer you can flush all the bad things away and he's kind of using it as an analogy for people saying that they're going to be shit this season you just need to flush it away um they stayed in the sewer a long time in this episode i didn't quite realize how long it was and i'm not sure it was worth the maybe reveal. it's foreshadowing maybe like well, i said maybe maybe they're gonna start poorly and then something's gonna happen and the 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 Sewer's gonna start the sewage is gonna start getting processed and they're gonna rise and hit the ocean. I don't know. Or, uh, or but, maybe but, maybe it'll just be shit all season and it'll just be a really depressing one of Ted Lasso. There you go. <laughs> that's uh, the British, but, but that's the pessimist British in me <laughs> coming out. But speaking of the sewer scene, um, so the the part that's taking the internet by storm is Jamie's line where uh, talking about how they're in a sewer surrounded by, and I'm I'm going to do the accent as best I can, yeah. and I apologize in advance, but they're surrounded by pupe, pupe. It's like he's <laughs> he's meant to be from Manchester, and I know quite a lot of people from Manchester, and I've, I don't think any of them would say pupe. <laughs> it's uh, I've written down in the next scene because he says the word poopy again. Um, I hate how James I'm sorry, says he says poopy. what? Poopy. Poopy. <laughs> but this is actually the line I wanted to talk about because 
he he says pupe and uh <laughs> i feel like if this was season one jamie who is like just so egotistical and self-absorbed he would have been like he either would not have been there or he would have been like it's a river of shite or however <laughs> they would say it that sounded and, a little uh, bit irish yeah i i, I don't know <laughs> like i said i apologize um but he he would have he would have said shit or yeah. shite whatever and in this one he says pupe because he's he's lightened up a little bit he's not as self-absorbed he's he's bought into the familyness of it and i feel like it's a it's a stupid line that i'm sure i can't remember the actor's name he said it just to make everyone laugh yeah. but it it comes across to me at least of like showing a little bit of growth for Jamie where he is not quite as vulgar and uh, self-absorbed because he's being silly saying yeah. weird words. I, well, I wrote down in, in the next line, cause he says it again in the dressing room after this. They said, I just wrote, I hate how Jamie says poopy, <laughs> but it is important it. that he's the one that, kind of recognizes the sewage moment where he's like, Hey, we yeah. just need to let it go. We need to let it just flow through. Well, that that's quite a nice segue into the next scene in the dressing room where they're back to panicking very quickly. And Jamie says, think about the poop. And he like, <laughs> they, they do that. And then uh, they all go, Oh, actually, yeah, you're right. We'll, we'll be fine. The thing I really liked about this is when they started panicking, Ted was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to have to go and do it myself again. And the person that stopped him going out was Roy. And Roy yes. showing faith in Jamie. I just wrote, Roy has faith in Jamie. And I drew, drew a little heart. <laughs> it was a lovely moment. Uh, and I think Jamie's growing up and Roy is warming up, which is uh, yes, is great. Ted Lasso is so good at character development, isn't it? It really is. We then move on. Basically, Rebecca is fuming about them going to a sewer. Honestly, if I was the owner of the football club, I think I would be fuming as well. It makes you a bit of a laughing stock. So she calls Ted into her office. And I think this is the first time in all three series where she's genuinely angry with Ted, right? Yeah, for doing something unexpected and not in what she thinks is the best interest of the team. Because obviously she gets mad in season one when he's succeeding in helping them grow yeah, yeah. because he's ruining her plans. But in this one, she is genuinely mad because he's doing something that in a lot of respects is kind of reckless. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think they take it into account, but like you can also get really sick being down there. Like that's <laughs> gross. They're talking about how, oh, people used to get cholera all the time. Like <laughs> what else are we exposing ourselves to down here? <laughs> well, yeah. And I think if you actually think about it, this is the kind of act that she literally brought Ted in to do to make the club a laughing stock and to punish Rupert for for cheating and leaving her with it, right? Mm -hmm. So she's almost come up with this plan and it's just bitten her in the ass two seasons later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so... so but will I, it? I, oh, but will it? Um, and we have to go <laughs> to a press conference then with Ted, the initial season press conference that every club does. And he, I really like... There's a, a recurring journalist that's there and he's sat right at the front of this one. And his name is Lloyd Griffith in real life. He's a comedian and he's very funny. And he's managed to get this job on Ted Lasso. You'll have heard his voice in our um, in in the intro to this episode. Lloyd Griffith's face in this is he just 
he looked, I've never seen a man look so bemused by human words before. It, <laughs> it looks like they went, the camera will be four miles away, but we still want to see all of your expressions because his face just looks like he's expanding every element of it. If you watch it again, go back and watch. He's front and center of the press conference. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like Ted's come out naked to deliver a press conference. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, I'll have to look for those little nuances. Yeah, but but Rebecca basically makes this point of you have to go out there and fight to be better than West Ham. We need to beat Rupert. Once again, making this about Rupert rather than the club. Um, the success of the club, yeah. And, and Ted, being Ted, doesn't do this. He goes out, he wishes Nate the absolute best. He still calls him Nate Dog. He says he's a real junkyard dog, which I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, Still refers to him as Nate the Great as well. Yeah, Nate the Great. And uh, it was just nice to see that they didn't cave. And because he could have gone, what what an asshole, because he's being an asshole. But then Mm -hmm. he goes, if he really wanted to stick the boot in on me, he could have said. And then he just turns it around and it stops being about how great West Ham are. And it goes back to being how lovable Ted is. And it was the most Ted Lasso way of turning things self-deprecatingly in his favor i don't know if it would have gone over that well with club supporters though (laughs) (laughs) well they all still hate him anyway despite getting promoted and everything um they they still think he's a joke but it's it's one of those things where it does feel like they've settled into a groove um but one thing that has still kind of been lingering through all this as well which i think maybe part of that self-deprecating humor that Ted is bringing on is a little bit of a coping mechanism as well, because mm. throughout the episode, we see he's dealing with a little bit of depression and separation anxiety that like, he's mm. no longer around his, his son. Uh, maybe him leaving is what caused his divorce. He's second guessing a lot of stuff now. Yeah. And so uh, like, like you said, it's a very Ted thing for him to do to turn it around and just start making fun of himself but I'm wondering if maybe that's not gonna. We're not gonna see that come back as like a coping mechanism. Like uh, mm. it's gonna become a semi regular thing where West Ham creates some jabs at Richmond's <laughs> expense, and Ted's just gonna kind of keep being a lightning rod because he thinks he de- he deserves to be punished for leaving his family and potentially causing his own divorce. Mm. Yeah, I'd never actually thought of the wider implication, but but Ted Lasso is full of bringing it back to the wider implications isn't it of, it's of- a weird show that can do that it can be wide <laughs> it can be narrow it, it, and it's like last season i i did not expect it to go as wide as it did mm. i was like okay we're gonna get back to the football and just like the jovialness of it right no we're gonna be depressed the whole season with some jokes in between okay well they they, they brought back because the, the thing that was really depressing in that was ted's way of dealing with his father's suicide right that was the real low point of ted in season two and they, they spoke about his dad in this episode again, very early on, being not there when he finished school. So the janitor had to, he helped the janitor clean up and then his dad gave the janitor some money for looking after his son, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, we're going to start here, are we? But <laughs> it just didn't do that this time. I think it's focusing on a very different flaw that Ted sees in himself rather than one that he's trying to suppress. Um yeah. But yeah, it's it's good. And then so you cut from the press conference to Nate, who's pissed off that his 
very clever jab of Ted Lasso <laughs> being a shitty coach didn't work. It didn't annoy him. And then we cut back to more memes of Nate, and it, there's one that I really liked, and I wrote it down, and it's Nate looking really a bit gormless, and it just says, who's the wanker now? <laughs> it's so <laughs> not funny, um, but it's great. Um, but then we get the, the cut of the club secretary coming in, saying, Rupert's bought your present. Uh, it's it's a car, and he goes out, and it's this amazing supercar. Um, but it's the exact same car that was in the callback that you said sent me again in season one. And he says uh, when when Ted and <laughs> Nate walk out, and and he goes, "Is this your car?" And he goes, "Oh, I couldn't handle a car like that." And now that's the car he drives. Mm-hmm. It was very cool, very uh, clever. Yeah, very good uh, character development sort of thing with subtext and visuals instead of just openly being like, ooh, maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that every time we went to West Ham, it looked a bit like an 80s villain's lair. I was thinking of the Death Star with the Emperor and Return of the Jedi. Mm, yeah, good good one. I wrote um, Rupert's office looks like a, a Batman villain's lair. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, they're, they're not subtle about Rupert being a bad guy, are they? He's wearing all black. His office is all black. He's got very sharp angles on everything. Even his window that is a giant circle still has sharp angles inside of it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good. Um, and then we move to the heartbreaking scene of Keely and Roy. Walk us through this one, Josh, because this one is hard for me to talk about. <laughs> so we we open the scene with Phoebe eating some ice cream, and she's like, "Oh man, this is ice cream before dinner that's that's either something really great or something really bad (laughs) and we find out that it is the worst possible situation that any what would it be would it be really royly royly let's say royly there's their couple name any royly stands uh don't want to hear that they broke up but phoebe being the observant good girl that she is is like you're both kind of stupid huh (laughs) because every excuse they have for why they broke up makes no sense yeah they they kept saying we're just too busy we're just too busy and she's like well you were busy before and roy the only thing roy can think of is well we're more busy now and (laughs) they they obviously didn't really want to break up um it obviously won't last very long it was lovely to see it done breaking it to phoebe together which shows that there's still like care between them they wanted to do that and and they still wanted to show keely cares about about her and yeah it was just it was done through a way of child just going why you get the answer <laughs> why the child, you get the answer and it's why and i think it just um yeah it was just a very nice scene it was despite being the worst news you can imagine it was it was a really nicely done scene and then there's a conversation with roy and her in in the back of the um in his car um, where Roy obviously still has no idea why they've broken up. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was well done. Yeah, and that, that's the moment where he says that they're being stupid. Um, she she says, Uncle Roy, can I say a bad word? And he gives her permission. He's like, I think you're both being stupid. Um, <laughs> it, it was a great scene. And uh, again, the, the little girl that plays, the young girl that plays Phoebe is just phenomenal. She, yeah, she does great. her role so well. I, I love that she said, Uncle Roy, can I say a bad word? And considering the lines that she had in the previous two series where yes. every other word was like, fuck or shit, was just 
the word she says is stupid. I think it was just really good because they had that whole thing where Roy had to teach her not to swear and she's it's gone and taken that on board. It's adorable and it it fits the character really well that they yeah. that she would know that stupid is a bad word. You don't necessarily call someone stupid unless they are doing something stupid, but like it's not necessarily an insult. Yeah. And I, I yeah. just the way they played that off so well. And uh, it just speaks to I think Brett Goldstein at least co-wrote this script. Uh, and it, it, I don't know if you've watched Shrinking at all yet, but he's written most of those scripts and he is just such a master with dialogue. And it, it just continues through Ted Lasso and Shrinking. I haven't watched Shrinking. Uh, I will watch Shrinking. I promise. Um, so after after Keely and Roy break up, boohoo. Um, we have <laughs> sorry, a war. Really, Royly, Royly, Royly officially dissolves. Royly has liquidated. Um, <laughs> boohoo. Uh, we get a Ted and Beard little chat where they're walking back to Ted's flat, and they're so engrossed in the conversation that Ted misses his front door. And I think that that just shows that he doesn't really want to go back to his house alone. They're really hammering in this, like, Ted doesn't want to be alone thing really hard, which is great. I hope it doesn't last like that all season. It works for this episode, and it works for the reveal we're about to see. But um, you can only hit something so hard with a hammer before it becomes flat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I feel like the loneliness thing doesn't quite work when we know sassy is there in the background but like we don't know what the agreed upon relationship status is for them if it's just yeah. like regular hookups booty calls whatever um but i i feel like sassy is there for something other than just to occasionally be like yeah ted still has sex don't worry <laughs> well it's very important that we know very important with a mustache like that the man has to be getting it <laughs> <laughs> But then we, we move on to the very final scene, the very final conversation where Ted and Henry, Henry's back. Dad, I made it safely home. Lovely to speak to you again. And then he has a infinity gauntlet and Ted goes, oh, that's cool. Where did you get it? And he says, Jake gave it to me. And Ted says, well, who's Jake? And uh, it says, mommy's friend. And that's where we kind of leave it. So mm-hmm. Ted's ex-wife has obviously moved on and Ted hasn't because the first thing we get, we should have said the very first thing we see in this episode is uh, henry's phone screen and it says have a safe flight i love you and you're meant to obviously think that that is for ted yeah and that their relationship might be on an upswing and then he hands it over to henry like hey your mom sent you a text and then fucking jake comes and ruins everything and <laughs> just hate jake so much oh yeah jake is the worst <laughs> the, the faceless man who had a second of mention <laughs> is the worst so that's that's episode one what did you think josh i really liked it as far as kind of reintroducing us to the to the ted lasso world i do feel like that because of the extended production period with uh dealing with covid and uh Mm. the the pandemic delays that it it was kind of needed to refresh everyone because there were certain points where i was like what what do i remember from season two and that has carried over that we'll be carrying over like i remember ryan keely i remember Nate leaving for West Ham and Rupert being the owner, but like, what else is there? And like they got promoted. And I I do like the idea that they're teasing, bringing in new players or they're going to try and bring in new players, which I'm wondering if maybe um, that could end up being a a subplot of the season that West Ham is going to kind of keep sniping players away or 
at the very least dissuading them from signing with uh richmond i love that that happens uh in real life as well so there's some famous stories of players like i'll give you an example there was a guy called william who was going to sign for tottenham hotspur to the point where tottenham played for his flight from ukraine to london only for chelsea to contact his agent on the plane and say well we'll give you a bit more money so Tottenham paid for his flight <laughs> over and uh, and Chelsea went and sniped the player. So that happens and and absolutely I think could be a, a good uh, a good plot because they talk about getting some like fresh blood in to freshen up the team and yeah, I agree. I think it was a good reintroduction. I think there were points in it that felt a bit wooden. I thought um everyone was quite good. Wasn't mad on Henry, but like you said, we're not gonna stick the boot in on him because he's a child actor. I do think that that first time we see Leslie and Hannah Waddingham, uh, sorry, Rebecca, rather than using her her real name and confusing everything, um, the first <laughs> time we see Leslie and, and Rebecca, it was a little bit like a high school play. Uh, I can see that. But, you know, we're getting back into the swing of it. It, it really felt like they had a bit that they had to hit, and yeah. it, they were just reading the script. But apart from that, I think... Um, mostly positive i would say it's a solid seven and a half episode for the first one of the season yeah and i, I mean I, I i think that's fair i was more excited about watching this than i was the mandalorian this week um i still have actually not finished that episode i fell asleep wow. halfway through after i watched ted lasso <laughs> well i think uh, i i said to you did you think you'd talk about the last of us uh, the last of us finished on monday and this came out on the wednesday and i was so pleased to have something that wasn't quite as miserable as the last of us to watch <laughs> yes ted lasso was an amazing palate cleanser <laughs> and that's where we are so i think we can say good episode right yes are you doing talking smack must see or are you uh or is that a given with ted lasso i, I think it's a given with ted lasso but i think doing a, a little bit of a, a, a game club pod kind of rating could uh do do some good for letting everyone know like how we feel about the episode and then yeah, uh cool. yeah just like where maybe where it stands in the season because like i i still just do not understand the point of that coach beard episode in season two uh, it just felt like they wanted episode. a coach beard episode and they wanted to do a little bit of like a psychedelic drug trippy episode but they didn't want to have him on drugs so they just <laughs> did something extra weird. I think we'll find one of them in this season as well. It tends to be like you get one of those kind of things a season. Um, but I really hated that episode. I really hated that episode it, it in season two. So weird. Like I, I liked the bits where he was having like those weird mental breaks and he's like, shut up, Thierry Henry. And yeah. <laughs> legendary footballers Thierry Henry and Gary Lineker shut <laughs> up <laughs> yeah I, I like those moments but overall that episode was so weird but um we are starting to run a little longer than we promised so so yes. let's get into this game that you brought to the table here okay I have a very simple quiz for you Josh um this I've got five questions about football some of them you should know because you've seen Ted Lasso some of them you might not know but I want you to give me an attempt at an answer even if you don't know it okay all right bring it on Okay, so first of all, what is 442? Uh, so based on what the episode just described, it's basically a field positioning of uh, your so strikers, midfielders, and defenders. Would that be well done, yeah. the proper term? Yeah, that's actually not even from Ted Lasso. So you have four <laughs> strikers, four midfielders, and two defenders playing back. 
Oh, you were so close. You got it backwards. So it's four defenders, oh. four midfielders, two strikers. Um, okay, but- so that's what that's what he's talking about with playing steady. Is you're you're dedicating more to defense and yeah. kind of doing the the park the bus thing that they're talking about. Yeah. D- did they talk about park the bus in this as well? No, I, I'm just drawing the analogy because um, uh. that sounded like it sounds like Roy is kind of banking on that idea that we'll we'll focus on staunch defense then because uh, i i didn't know what he was talking about other i like the punchline of like oh it sounds like something the russians made up it, it was <laughs> okay cool i'm gonna give you the point even though we got the the strikers defenders the wrong way around you're gonna get the point there um cool if i said to you ticky tacker football what would that mean ticky tacker football um i have an idea of what it is but i think that's gonna be wrong so i'm gonna say it's gonna be like kids level soccer kids level football unfortunately that is wrong tiki taka football is a style of football possession based where you pass it around a lot and the idea is the opponent can't score if they never have the ball don't ask me why it's called tiki taka it just is (laughs) okay Um, my next guess would have been um a game where the officials take over and just make calls all over the place (laughs) because in in uh, football, you say like they're playing ticky tack because the officials are calling everything. Like, oh, ah. they touched the quarterback's face mask. That's a ten yard penalty and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> that sounds wild. It sounds chaotic. I like it. Yeah, the re- the referee crews are crazy over here. <laughs> okay, how many players would a team have on the pitch at any one time if there was no sendings off? On so in the field of play or yeah, like in the field of overall. Play. Isn't it 11, 11 fielders and one goalie? So close. 10, 10 outfield players and one goalie. Okay. So 11 players overall. That's why when you say 4-4-2, four, four, you only count the outfield players because the goalie is always in the Oh, goal. I could have done math and just figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> when you're re- relegated from the Premier League, what is the division below called? The championship. Well done. Um and finally, what club do Richmond use to film their stadium in real life? Oh, you've told me this. I I do not know. That does not stick in my brain. <laughs> Have a guess. Go on. Um, I'll say Nottingham. I don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's I don't even not know if Nottingham, Nottingham is a real place. Yeah, yeah. Nottingham's a real place. <laughs> Nottingham Forest okay. are in the Premier League. Um, it's Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that's why they sent Jamie there. I think that was supposed to be like an homage to them letting them use their field in season yeah. one. Well, in the season one, the first game they ever show on TV is Richmond versus Crystal that's, Palace. That's so, right. That's right. Because yeah. he, what's, who's the big one over there? Um, Man Manchester United? City. Well, Manchester United are, but Man City is where Jamie was loaned from. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was getting so, those two name drops confused. Uh, by the end of the series, I'm going to have you as an expert on football. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I might come back and ask you some of the same questions later in the series and see if that that knowledge has stuck with you. My my goal is to do better in this than <laughs> Tim does in going for the get over here. <laughs> okay, cool. Good shout. <laughs> So the other thing we wanted to include was a real-life football story, and these are going to be, some of them mad, like our Maradona one that I mentioned earlier, some of them not so mad, like the one I've got today. And the one I've got today is about a footballer called Omar Ebdelawi, who is a Norwegian footballer. He has travelled... Yeah, sure. Uh, yes, exactly. He, he has travelled and played in many continents, but in 
January 2021, he moved to a club called Galatasaray in Turkey. And he didn't know any of his teammates. (laughs) It's it's great. Some of the Turkish club names are brilliant. Uh, But Galatasaray is is one of the big two or three clubs in Turkey. And he moved there. He didn't know anyone. And he moved in the January transfer window. So he spent New Year's, his first New Year's away from all his friends and family from his old club. So it was him, his brother, his wife, and his two kids. And everyone was a bit depressed. And they said, okay, well, we're going to liven this up and we'll have some New Year's Year's fireworks. And something went wrong. And Omar Abdullawi let off a firework that had too short a fuse. And it completely blinded him in both eyes. So he, yeah, no, totally, totally blind. He um, had an ambulance called and the ambulance driver took a photo of him knowing who he was and put it on social media. There were reporters and uh, people uh, waiting for him at the hospital to get photos for the press. And that's how his family found out that he'd had this accident, other than the ones that were there. Galatasaray coached him through it, but they basically said, you're never going to see again. And through a series of operations and experimentational operations using his sister's donation of, of whatever they needed, on February 22nd last year, 13 months after it happened, Omar Abdullahi played again professional top flight football wow. for Galatasaray. He'd lost some of the vision in his right eye, but he just kept going and kept telling himself that he's going to to continue. And the photos and the stories and when he talks about it bring tears to my eyes. He's such an inspirational guy. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I urge you to look up interviews with Omar Abdullahi if you're interested. I choose, I promise next time I'll choose someone who's totally bonkers to bring the mood up <laughs> up and down. Well, that that just makes me think of, um, I don't know if you ever heard about Kirby Puckett, who played for the Minnesota Twins in baseball. No. Uh, he got pegged in the head on a, on a fastball and he just went blind instantly. And so he had retired right then and there in the middle of a game. And uh, just makes me think like, oh man, if if he had... Uh, ben, if that had happened now, like, would he have been able to get some experimental surgery and yeah. could he have re- recovered a little bit of his eyesight? Yeah, I just think it was an incredible story and I thought it'd be a good one for the first episode. Yeah, that's super cool. That's a very Ted Lasso-like story. That's what I thought. With that, Josh, I've closed my notebook, so I think it's time to wrap <laughs> this one up. All right, so um, how how do you want to do the socials? Because your main social is the Game Club pod, so... Um, I know how Forget my social my social is the talking smack discord there you go you can find me there all right so yeah please join the talking smack discord we have a Ted Lasso sub group there where we can talk Ted Lasso season three uh, if you're enjoying Ted Lasso if you're enjoying this or just the talking smack podcast in general you can always find us on talking smack pod at twitter and you can email us if you want to talk Ted Lasso specifically. Shoot us an email at Twitter at tsmackpod at gmail.com and just put in the subject line in all caps, Ted Lasso or Talking Lasso. <laughs> if it's not all caps, I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> well, with that, Josh, I hope you believe in belief. Um, uh, and I will see you next time for episode two of Ted Lasso. Scram! Whistle! Whistle! Whistle!